This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Chesapeake Bay has been one of the most intensely watched and debated ecological zones in the eastern U.S. For the past several months, the EPA has been developing an online decision support system to help cities and towns around the bay and anyone concerned about that fragile ecosystem figure out the best sites for restoration or conservation. Biologist and environmental scientist at EPA's Chesapeake Bay Program Office, Emily Trentacoste, talked with Tom Temin about how it all works. This tool, tell us about what it is you're working on. Yeah, so this project is a new collaboration between EPA's Chesapeake Bay Program Office, where I am in Annapolis, Maryland, and EPA's Atlantic Coastal Environmental Sciences Division in Narragansett, Rhode Island, which is part of EPA's Office of Research and Development. And these two parts of EPA had overlapping interests in supporting the decision-making that's happening in local communities around conservation, restoration, and resiliency. And to kind of cut to the punchline, the, the purpose of this project is to develop decision support systems that can help coastal communities identify the best locations for conservation or restoration projects that build and maintain coastal resiliency, but also consider other priorities the community might have. The idea is to let the user really customize which priorities are most important to them and then identify areas where conservation or restoration would provide the most benefits related to those priorities. Because the Chesapeake Bay is often cited as a great big body of water that is polluted for whatever reason, chicken farm runoff and you name it. But it sounds like this program is aimed at what a local community might do for, say, a dock or an inlet or a forest that is along the bay. That's right. Yep. Uh, It's allowing local communities to look at different geographic areas within their community that they might want to do projects or focus their efforts. One of the things that we've learned over the history of the Chesapeake Bay Program Office and the Chesapeake Bay Program Partnership, which is a, a regional partnership for the Chesapeake Bay region, Uh, One of the things we've learned is that local communities are really where the rubber meets the road. It's these communities that are the ones that are carrying out projects and really making the work happen for conservation and restoration. And so we also recognize that while we might have our goals and priorities that we're focused on, local communities have a lot of their own priorities and goals, and they often have to worry about a lot more issues than just what we're focused on. And so we're really interested in better understanding the priorities of local communities, identifying where there's intersections between our goals, and identifying approaches that are mutually beneficial so that we can help provide the support these communities need to make decisions that address those goals. Give us some examples of what might be a typical conservation project and a typical restoration project. Yeah, that's a great question. So let's say you're in a community that's really interested in protecting infrastructure from flood damage, but outdoor recreation is also really important to members of your community. There are different approaches that might be beneficial for both of those priorities. Let's say there are certain areas within your community where you have forested land and it would be good to conserve those lands so that when you're doing development in your community, you make sure to try and and keep those lands as natural as possible. Or let's say you have an area where along a stream, the forest has been taken out and there's an opportunity to go back in and restore some of the natural landscape around that stream. Those are some examples of the types of projects that local communities might be looking at. And the idea with this tool and this project is that it would allow you to customize which things are most important to you and then identify those locations on your landscape where doing some of those approaches would be most beneficial. 
We're speaking with Emily Trent Acosta. She's a biologist and environmental scientist in the Chesapeake Bay Program Office at the EPA. And tell us how the tool will work. What kinds of inputs do local users put into it, and what kind of information does it spit out to them? Yeah, so that's actually one of the things that we are still going to try and figure out over the course of this project. I think one thing we do know is the basic idea is we want the user to be able to enter in their priorities. That's something that would make this tool stand out from some of the other options that are out there right now. So at minimum, we want the user to be able to customize what's important to them and their local community. But one of the one of the reasons that we're having this collaborative project between these two parts of EPA is that at the Chesapeake Bay Program Office, we support the Chesapeake Bay Program Partnership, which, as I said, is a unique regional partnership between six states in Washington, D.C., which make up the Chesapeake Bay's watershed uh, or the land draining to the Chesapeake Bay, as well as federal agencies, including EPA, and many other partners, including legislative, academic, and nonprofit institutions. And so this regional partnership provides us a really amazing way to engage with different stakeholders throughout the region. The partnership has existed for over 35 years to coordinate the restoration and protection of the Chesapeake Bay and its watershed. And so it has really robust and mature networks and channels to be able to engage with stakeholders and especially local communities. And so that's one of the the reasons that uh, we were interested in this collaboration with the Atlantic Coastal Environmental Sciences Division is because they're able to tap into this robust network of stakeholders that we have. So one of the things that we want to do as we develop this tool is not be prescriptive about what it should look like or exactly how it should be used. Like I said, we have some things at minimum that we want to make sure it includes, but we kind of want to do a whole process of stakeholder engagement to understand what's going to be most useful to them in terms of a tool. So that's part of this project as well, is kind of doing that discovery with our end users about how they're going to want to use a tool at the end of the day. I imagine one of the obstacles to smooth functioning of any of these projects or of the tool is the fact that sometimes you have clashing interests in the same location. Like you may have landowners that don't want forest put back or do want forest put back and you have others that want a clearing or whatever. And sometimes those can be an obstacle to getting anything done. Yeah, that's very true. I think a lot of communities uh, at different scales have competing priorities and have to look at trade-offs between those different goals. And so what we're hoping is one of the things this tool can do is allow those users to put in all of those different priorities if they want or look at different combinations of different priorities and see which locations in their community stick out as being the most beneficial places to focus efforts based on those priorities. There's also other work going on at EPA looking at some of the trade-offs between different benefits that are provided by some of these approaches. And so there's a lot of really great work going on in this space to help try and support the decisions that are going on at that level. And what is your timeline for the rollout of the tool that you can go to the different towns and cities and say, here it is? Yeah, so we're, we're still at the beginning of this process and the project. We've been working with the Chesapeake Bay Program Partnership to engage with stakeholders and to start to understand what types of decisions they're making at these local levels and, importantly, who makes them. So we're starting to identify the benefits associated with different conservation, restoration, and and resiliency approaches and how those benefits can relate to these local priorities. 
But I will say that, again, we're kind of at the beginning of this process. We're really wanting to make sure that stakeholder engagement is a large part of it. And so I think we'll really be working on this over the next year. The idea is to try and have something that we can put out uh, at the end of 2021, but it's really going to be an iterative process where we try and work with stakeholders to improve the tool in the future as well. And just what are the basic trends in pollution and decay, say, of the Chesapeake Bay? Because, I mean, it reached a watershed, no pun intended, some years ago. Is it is it on the mend in general? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a lot of different things to look at with the health of the Chesapeake Bay and its watershed. And that's one of the great things about the Chesapeake Bay Program Partnership is it, it doesn't just focus necessarily in the bay, but it looks at different metrics that we're trying to track and different goals that we have for all across the watershed. In terms of the bay itself, the health has been improving, especially over the 35 years that this partnership has been in place. We're seeing one of the really important metrics that we look at in the bay, which is the dissolved oxygen that's supports Supports the living resources in the bay, we're seeing that come back. We're seeing pollution decrease coming off of the watershed. And so there are definitely improvements being made, and there's definitely a lot of work to still do. Well, those of us that like oysters and crabs will appreciate this work long-term, I guess. And the tool itself and the activities that it engenders, those are all aimed ultimately at cleaning up the bay. Yes. So for the tool itself, I think one of the big purposes is to not only help clean up the bay, but also address those local priorities. And so ultimately, yes, the types of approaches that would be put in place by users of this tool or by local communities would definitely help the bay and its watershed uh, in the long run. But the hope is that they're also addressing those local priorities and issues. Emily Trentacoste is biologist and environmental scientist in the Chesapeake Bay Program Office at the EPA. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive and subscribe to the Federal Drive on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30 day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.